and from Rumi. This is from Someone is Hidden Inside. Here, someone is hidden who has taken hold of me and does not let go. Here, someone is hidden, softer than the soul who led me to the garden of spirit and made me homeless. Here, someone is hidden, a radiant face as delicate and fleeting as the ethereal moment before sleep. Here, someone is hidden like sweetness in sugarcane, an invisible magician who has captured my soul. Hidden somewhere inside, my beloved and I have dissolved in each other. No beauty in the world can ever tempt me, for I see only the face of my beloved. Tired in pain, I searched the world for help until I found in, lo I found in love the cure for my pain. Here someone hidden whispers, pass beyond your tears and you will see the broken-hearted lovers and the Lord in heaven. Here someone hidden appears, holding love's wine, and to him I've given all my vows. Just by Rumi. So would you like to start? Well, I did, one of the things I wanted to first start off with is just to say thank you for everybody, for all your loving, for all your gifts, for all your Christmas cards, for your divine presence. <laughs> yes, there's a pun in there. I really do mean that though, because it's just, you know, it, it's just wonderful. Just talk about abundance. My, my Christmases has never been this abundant before. Just all the loving, all the cards, all the gifts, just all the wonderful smiles and kind words is just amazing at this time of year. And I know I haven't had a chance to thank everybody individually, and so I'm doing that right now. Um, if I haven't had a chance to thank you directly, please do accept my gratitude right now for that, because it's been absolutely wonderful um, just all that we receive, both Jim and I. And it's always amazing to me every year at Christmas, um, just all that giving in so many ways, just so many ways. And, and also physically, there's just a real divine abundance in that outer reflection as far as gifts and cards and hugs and, and just all that that comes on this level as well. And it's really nice though because on all the physical actions now, I really see that divine sharing of that loving behind all those physical things. It's funny because years ago, I used to get a little turned off sometimes when I was really spiritual about all the physical presence and gift and how physically oriented Christmas can seem. But I'll tell you what, these last few years, I really see now how truly giving us something physically can really be an action of loving. And I've become more and more aware of that these last few years, and especially this year, uh, especially even some of the cards that I've, writ I've read, what people have written, or even the messages that were already printed in the cards. And I mean, there were several times Jim and I would get home and have, you know, like 10 Christmas cards that we'd go through the mail, and it would sit there, and all these tears of gratitude would show up as we'd read some of these cards. And 
is just really wonderful to experience that. So for all of your giving, thank you. It's just a really wonderful experience to have that in and through the physical giving, that divine loving that comes with that. Um, I don't know, it's just really nice. It's helping me to kind of redefine Christmas when I know how much we can get caught up in that physicalness of all the presents and the, the giving and the receiving of gifts. But I don't know, it's just been wonderful to really receive that spirit that's behind all that and the giving of that. It's just wonderful, like at the potluck, and giving all the gifts that we do to see the way that people really get that divine blessing that goes with that physical gift. So it's really fun to be on both sides in the giving and the receiving. And it's just, it's just wonderful. So I just really wanted to share my gratitude with everybody in regards to that. Anything you want to? One thing I, I want to share, I, I have a feeling we're going to go into question and answer tonight, but I'm not positive just yet, but it, it it's flowing that way because it was all that way in the meditation, which was very interesting. One thing I wanted to share, though, is something that came forward today um, for me, both in my meditation and then later on when I was talking with a, a lady on the phone. Um, years ago, I had an opportunity to meet someone uh, when I was flying from Austin to New York. It was back in 1987 or 88. And um, in talking with her for a few minutes, she called to say hello and Merry Christmas and all that. Um, we were talking, and she reminded me of something I'd completely forgotten, and that was we were on a plane flying, sitting next to each other. We ne didn't know each other at all. And um, as we were getting ready to take off, the stewardess was doing the thing with the mask, and you know, how to put it on and the last band and be sure to put it on yourself before you put it on your child if you have a child with you. And um, after the stewardess got finished talking, this lady turned to me not knowing who I was and she said, yeah, right, I'm a mother. She thinks I'm going to do it to myself before I, give, I take care of my child. I'm going to take care of my child first. I'd rather that at least I know that they're going to survive if there's a possibility. And... She said, do you think that's stupid? I said, I don't know. I'm not a mother. <laughs> I just know what they're telling us up there. I don't know if that's stupid or not, you know. And so we didn't say another thing. For quite a while we flew, and they brought us lunch, which now they don't, but you used to bring lunch to coach or whatever. You know, you got something. And uh, we were sitting there eating, and all of a sudden she turned to me, and she says, maybe I am stupid. Maybe I should do that for myself first. And by then I had forgotten what we were talking about, you know. And I'm kind of going, okay, so why is she stupid? You know, and then I remembered, oh, the conversation. And, and, you know, I said, I don't know that there's a right way or a wrong way. I think they're just telling you a way that most likely they know will work to take care of yourself and then you can take care of your child. If you don't take care of yourself and you pass out before you get the mask on your child, then both of you are going to suffer. And this way, you can be sure to take care of your child if you're already taken care of. And she said, you know what? I think I just figured that out. That's why I think I'm stupid. Because I would have without realizing what I was doing or why they were saying what they were saying. And so we got in this conversation about all the stupid things that we tend to do. 
you know, it was so funny because she just kept saying, you know, you know another stupid thing I do. <laughs> and then she got in talking about the stupid things that her husband does and the stupid things that her mother's done and, and all of this. And it got to be a fun and stupid conversation. <laughs> but in the midst of it all, uh, I noticed that the, the, the most uh, conversation around stupid was around caretaking, about taking care of others first before you take care of yourself. And she said that the one thing she's realized is she has raised children and now she was starting on a, a second family with a, a new husband and a new baby and, and all was that um, she had found that in raising her children, she just really sacrificed herself. She always did for her children first, never thought of herself, gave up anything that she might need in order that they might have something better. And now they were grown, they had gone through college and, and uh, were out of the house and she hardly ever heard from them. They never seemed to really need her anymore. And she felt that she maybe had done it the wrong way, that she had really sacrificed herself for her children. So now she was going to try to do it differently. She didn't want to do it the stupid way that she had done it before. And she said, but she was having a hard time doing that because as a mother, your natural instinct is to take care of the child first, to do for them first. And she said she found that she was just fighting this natural instinct inside of her to, to give up herself for the child for the sake of the child, for the betterment of the child. And she found that when she didn't do that, she went against her instinct and tried to take care of herself first, she hurt more than if she first took care of the child. And so she was in a real dilemma. And so she was saying, do you have children? And I said, no, I don't. You know, I, I really, again, don't have a way of relating to that quite the way you're talking about it. And so we just started talking. She said, well, if you were a mother, what would you do? What? And I said, well, I'm not a mother. I'm not a woman, so I don't have that natural instinct that you're talking about. But I would say that I can understand what you're talking about, just witnessing my mother and other friends of mine that have children that are mothers and, and what they do. And I, say, I said to her that it is challenging because... There's a part of all of us, male or female, there's a part of us that is a nurturer, that ever wants to nurture others, to take care of others. We're aware of other people's problems and concerns and fears and needs and wants. And there is that natural instinct in the soul that is compassionate, that is caring, that ever wants to reach out and, and to somehow touch or involve ourselves in other people's problems or situations that we might help them in some way. But I said sometimes that really gets in the way rather than assist. We can actually get in the way of people's process, way of, in the way of people's learning, in the way of people's growth by getting involved in their situations when it's not really ours to do. When it's your children, it may be a different story. But in my own personal life, I found that for me, I am a caretaker, I am a nurturer, I do want to take care of people, I do want them to be happy, I do want their lives to go well, and I have to ever define a line for myself where I know where I begin and end and I don't hurt myself in the process 
of being open and vulnerable to people, of sharing with people, of assisting people, that I don't hurt myself in that process and I don't forget myself in that process. I said, I think that's where mothers may not understand how to do that. They don't define their boundaries and they don't find that line for themselves of their beginning and ending point so that they're ever taking care of themselves first. So in our conversation, we talked almost all the way to, to New York, just talking, talking, talking. And we got off the plane, and off she went. We both got our luggage, but we were in different parts of the area, and, and she went off, I went off, never gave much thought of it. And lo and behold, coming back to Austin, who did I meet at the airport? But her. She was in the line in front of me, checking in her luggage, and I didn't even recognize her at first. I wasn't paying much attention. And as she turned around to, to leave, to go on over to the gate, she looked at me and she said, oh, hi. And I, I, it caught me by surprise, and I remembered it was the woman that had sat by me on the plane going. And so she stood there for a minute and talked, and, and so I was uh, checking in, and the woman said, oh, well, wait a minute, let me have your ticket, thinking that we were friends or something. And, and the woman gave her ticket. We didn't know what she was doing, and she seated us next to each other again. <laughs> so I thought, boy, this is destiny, isn't it? I mean, God's hands in this one. So um, I was a member of the Admirals Club, so I invited her up. And we sat and talked and got on the plane, and we were talking. And there was the stewardess that had waited on us you know, bringing her lunch to us on the way to New York. And so she came back, and so she was referring to us as husband and wife kind of thing. She thought we were traveling together as, as a couple. And so when she came back one time uh, to, to bring us some water, she, I said, you know, we're not married. And she said, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> I said, we're just friends. She says, oh, okay, well, that's fine, you know. <laughs> and... Um, then the woman got a little embarrassed by the fact that I said that, that we're just friends. And, and, I, and she said, well, why did you have to define that for her? And I said, for myself, I needed to define it because I didn't want to create an illusion for her or for myself. I want to really define my boundaries with you. And she said, wow, that's where I'm stupid. <laughs> and I said, could we talk about this word stupid for a minute? You know, it was kind of fun going up, but it's not going to be fun going back. Because I don't like it when you keep calling yourself stupid. It's not supporting you. It's really a statement of againstness on yourself that you're putting there. It's a definition that really is going to work against you and not assist you in your daily life. And she said, well, why is that? And I said, because there's a part of you that really does begin to believe, if you say it all the time, that you are stupid. And you're going to do stupid things because of that. You're not going to think things through. You're not going to see things clearly. You're just going to be stupid. And you're going to give yourself permission to be stupid. And when things go wrong, you'll just go, well, that's my stupid self. I can't do anything better. And she said, so have you been talking to my son or my brother? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm just talking from personal experience. <laughs> and so she said, so what do I tell myself then? You know, I've always done this, and my husband's done this. And I said, well, from now on, when you start to say stupid, find another word to put in there that will support you 
and to be brilliant, smart, intelligent, capable, loving, present, whatever, but not stupid. She says, I don't know one of those words that I could really put in there that I would believe. And I said, you don't have to believe it. It's not about believing it. It's about stating it so that you can begin to believe it. Somewhere along the line, somebody told you you were stupid or you told yourself you were stupid, but I wonder if you really believed it at the time. But after you reinforced it over and over and over, you've just believed into being stupid. You've lived the stupid only because you now have reinforced it into a point of belief, of truth in yourself. If you will find a word that will support you into something other than that, you'll begin to see a change in your life. So we started talking. And I said, rather than me and you talking right now, why don't you just sit, close your eyes, go inside, and see if you can find a word. Just run through all the words you can think of that are a positive statement about yourself. That somebody might have told you in the past or that you've wanted to have, hear, to have somebody tell you that, that you haven't heard. And see which one resonates. So she started going inside, just you know, running all these different words. And time went by, and time went by. And I thought she'd find something really quick. And after a while, I wasn't sure if she was going to sleep or what was going on, because she just took so much time. But after a minute, she kind of nudged me like this. Didn't say a word. She just nudged me. And, and I said, what? What's, what's up? And she said, can I open my eyes now? <laughs> so I told her to close her eyes, so now she was waiting for me to tell her to open her eyes. And I thought, okay, so this is going to work that way. So I said, so did you find a word? And she said, yes. And I said, well, what's the word? And she said, capable. I want to know that I'm capable. I want somebody to say, I'm really capable. And I said, well, that's a good word then. Start saying that. Start saying, I'm capable, not stupid. I'm capable. So we started talking, and after a few minutes, she said, well, see, that's where I'm stupid. That's where I'm capable. <laughs> you know, she caught herself. I said, that's it. Every time you start to slip into your old pattern, you catch yourself, and you immediately change it. That's where we fall short, is when we decide to make a change, such as a habit pattern. And right now, with the new year coming on, here is an opportunity to look at this for ourselves. When we are going to make a change in the habit pattern, and we say, well, I'm not going to eat that anymore, or I'm not going to do that anymore, or I'm not going to say that anymore, that's fine. It's fine to acknowledge what it is you want changed in your life, inside or outside. But the other key to that is to also create something that you then can put in place of that which you're not going to be doing anymore. Create a new pattern, a new thought, a new way to live your life. And that's where a lot of people fall short. They will say, I'm not going to, I'm going to quit, I'm giving it up. But they don't put something in place to fill that vacuum that they're now creating in their life, to create a new habit. And that is what I was sharing with her, is that by saying, I'm now capable, every time she started to go into stupid and moving the energy into something new, eventually 
that's where she'll always go first. Rather than right now going to stupid first and then changing it to capable, eventually catching herself every time and making this transition into capable, eventually that'll be her first statement about herself. And then she'll begin to really witness herself being capable in life. So she said, I like that. I can do that. I just did it. So I know I can do it. And so when we got off the plane, I gave her my phone number. She gave me her phone number. And I didn't hear from her for months and months and months. And so I got a, a call, I guess, maybe it was almost a year later, actually. She called me and she said, hi, you know, and gave me her name. And I had no idea who it was. I had totally forgotten, uh, which I do a, a lot more than I would like to. But I'm not good at remembering names. I can remember faces a lot quicker than, than names. That's a good affirmation. Well, yeah, it's a good affirmation, but it's, it's also... I'm, <laughs> okay, I can't remember names very well. <laughs> Sometimes I just don't go with the face. <laughs> so she called me and, and we were talking and she said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, I'm trying to figure out where I know you. Your voice sounds very familiar, but I don't remember the name. And she says, I'm Miss Capable. And I went, Miss Capable, Miss, oh, from the airplane. She said, yes. She said, that's my new name. I'm Miss Capable. When anybody wants to get my nickname or another name for me, I say I'm Miss Capable, and that's what some people are now calling me. And she says, that's what they call me at work now, Miss Capable. And it's true. I can do anything. I am capable of anything. You show me, and I can, I can do it. You tell me how to go about doing it, and I can do it. I now know how to be capable. And she was just all excited. She just said, so, now what do I do with this thing inside of me that says I'm fat? <laughs> and I said, okay, have, have you tried what we did on the plane? And she goes, well, what do you mean? What did we do on the plane? And I said, where did you get the word capable? And she went, oh, that's right. I closed my eyes and I went inside and found that word, didn't I? I said, yeah, so find the word that's not fat. <laughs> so she closed her eyes, I guess. She waited a few minutes. I heard no, nothing. And then she went, oh, I'm skinny. And I'm not going to say her name, but it rhymed with that. And I said, that's it. You've got it. Now you start telling yourself that that's who you are. And you never say the word fat again. And when you do find yourself stating it inside or out, then go back to the word skinny. And if somebody says you look fat, say, nope, I'm skinny and your name. And so she started doing that. Six weeks later, she called me. She said, Jim, this is amazing. This is a miracle. I said, what? She said, I've lost 18 pounds. And I'm not doing anything other than saying I'm skinny. She said, why is that? Am I okay? And I said, yeah, I think your body just likes being skinny. It likes the energy and it's going to cooperate with you and you're going to get skinny. And she said, well, I'm going to keep saying skinny until I'm so skinny I'm going to have to get a little fat. <laughs> and 
uh, overall, she lost over 40 pounds. It went down several dress sizes. I don't know what it was. And she was thrilled. And she found that by, by this process alone, she started choosing different foods and living a different lifestyle and even started exercising. Well, she started exercising. She went to a gym. She started exercising. She looked so good, they asked her to come in and teach a class. Never thought of she'd ever be doing that in her life. She started teaching a class, and now she lives in um, just outside of Las Vegas with her husband. They both own a gym, and they're doing just wonderfully. So her whole life was just transformed by changing two words in her life, capable and skinny, from stupid and fat. That's a pretty good transition with two words <laughs> from working and, and working hard for very little money in her job where she was to now owning a gym or I don't know how many gyms outside of Las Vegas and, and doing very well for themselves. You know, she was just really thrilled and she just wanted to call and wish me a happy new year and let me know that Miss Capable and, and Skinny in her name is doing just wonderfully. <laughs> and it was funny because she said, when she was hanging up, she said, oh, by the way, now my husband thinks I'm capable too. And I said, that's even better. She said, but it took a long time for him to believe it. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to move into a question and answer, but I just wanted to share a little story. I think that's a, a wonderful statement of who we really are and what we're really capable of, that we really can make change in our life if we will just apply the action to bring about the change. Oftentimes, we just keep living in the old reactive pattern and keep running the reactive pattern over and over and over. I'm stupid, I'm stupid. I'm fat, I'm fat. And that's really a reactive statement. Those are not true actions. Those are just reactions to things that might have happened years ago. And we are just now ever living in that reactive mode. Find an action and begin to choose into it. Move the energy into a pattern that supports you rather than undermines you. And support yourself into a new life. And you're going to be surprised by doing just that. The transitions that can take place in one's life. The change for the better. And it's so simple if we will just apply it every day, every moment of every day. And that means you have to ever stay present. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're speaking. Pay attention to what other people are telling you. And bring about a change in it all. Wherever you find something going against you, now bring it to an action of fulfillment for you, for success for you, for fulfillment, success, joy, peace, whatever that is inside of you. Bring it to the positive. Don't let things undermine you. Don't let other people undermine you. You know, I remember in talking to her when we came up with the, the statement of skinny. So, I decided, well, I'm going to do that too. I like that. 
I started doing that. And so I started affirming in myself all day long, all the time, that I'm Slim Jim. I'm, I'm Slim Jim. I'm Slim Jim. Well, I had gained quite a bit of weight after I had had my cancer. And, um, and I was trying to lose the weight. I was trying to lose the weight. And just wasn't really being very successful at it. So I started doing this affirmation, I'm Slim Jim. Well, within weeks, the weight started dropping. Not rapidly, but dropping. And I found myself just automatically, like she had said, just gravitating to certain foods and letting other things go. And shortly, I was losing weight to the point that people were really beginning to notice it. And the people in the back that where I was working, they started kidding me around going, oh, you're Slim Jim now, aren't you? Well, I had never said that to anybody. I would have never said that to anybody for fear that they would undermine what I was doing. But all of a sudden now here the universe was saying it to me. Unbeknownst to what I was doing inside myself, they were now saying it to me. So all of a sudden I had the universe outside reinforcing what I was telling myself and then I really started losing weight. So I know this works. It's a wonderful process. And it's a fun one to participate in. So if you haven't begun this action of really living in action and not reaction, of bringing the positive to forefront rather than the negative, begin. Begin to find a way to bring that positive aspect of yourself forward so that you begin to live it fully. You begin to live it fully. And don't even tell the world outside what it is you're doing inside. And wait and see if the world doesn't say it for you, to you. And just start with one thing. Don't try to change everything in your life at once. Don't try to change all the wording in your life all at once. Start with one statement, one word, one phrase, whatever, and change that. And you'll automatically see as that energy begins to transform that in that place of your life, there's a new place of quiet, of peace, of gentleness, of loving, of acceptance, whatever. And you'll like it so much you'll go, oh, I want to change this too. And I want to change this. And that's how you begin the process of changing your attitude. Another way to begin to change the process of attitude, to change that attitude, move into gratitude. Live a statement of gratitude every day. Be grateful for just who you are right now. Acceptance. Accept yourself. But be grateful for yourself. You know, I would look in my mirror and I'd go, boy, how did you get so fat? Why don't you lose weight? What's wrong with you? And that's not gratitude. And that's not really a positive affirmation, I don't think. But by saying, I'm grateful for just who I am now. And I'm grateful to God for giving me this life, for giving me this body, for giving me this opportunity. That gratitude opened up doors where things could move differently. I wasn't shutting doors and holding doors shut with judgment. I was opening doors to opportunity. And gratitude does just that. It opens the door of opportunity so that God can come in and participate. That's what gratitude does.
Even if you have nothing in your life as far as you're concerned to be grateful for, make it up. Just make believe you have something to be grateful for and make that the statement of gratitude that you say every day. Or find something in the world that you can be grateful for. Well, I'm sure glad that that person doesn't come around anymore. <laughs> well, that can be the beginning of a, of a statement of gratitude even though it doesn't sound it. Or you can be grateful for something that you see in, the daily, in your daily life. You're grateful for flowers along the street as you drive to work. Or you're grateful to be able to see children as they're walking to school. Whatever it is. But find those things. And after a while you'll find that gratitude will just begin to flow like a river in your life. I know, I, I, I drive through the town, I do things during the day, and I just have all these places in my life now where I just have all this gratitude for people, for life, for things. I remember when I first realized that, it was back in 1968. I was driving home from work one day, and it was early spring, and the mountain laurels were blooming in San Antonio, and I was driving to Almas Park, and I had a car that I didn't have an air conditioner in, so you always had to have the windows down or up, depending upon the weather, and I had the windows down, and I was driving through the park, and I had not driven through the park in the spring, because was, this was my first spring out of school, and as I was driving home from work, I smelled this wonderful aroma, and I just pulled over and I stopped. I didn't know. I didn't know where it was coming from. And I just sat there, and I was just breathing it all in, and it was so magical to me. And I got out, and I started walking around until I found where they were coming from, the trees they were coming from. And so for the next few weeks, I was just driving through this area of the park just every day for lunch, on the way to work, on the way home just so I could breathe in this beautiful aroma. And I realized in that action, the gratitude, the feeling of gratitude and what it is to be grateful for something and to really enjoy the essence of gratitude. And to me, even today, the, the, the scent of mountain laurels just brings in that essence of gratitude in my life. And that's why I have three of them where I can see them out the bedroom window on one side uh, right out the front door on the other and right in front of my office so that I can ever look at those and they are a reminder of that energy of gratitude that started in 1968. They are my reminder. And when they bloom in the spring, I open the window so I have the essence of that gratitude and the memory of some of the first actions of that. So do that for yourself. Find something that you can really begin to live that gratitude for. I know one lady, when I was working at this one store, she didn't call it gratitude, but she brought a rose to work every day, a fresh rose, and put it on her desk every day. And I said, why do you bring a fresh rose every day? Why don't you wait till the other one kind of lets go and, and then bring in a, a fresh one? She said, no, I want a fresh one every day. I want the renewal. I want the newness. I want the freshness of a rose every day. And I give myself that every day, a new rose. And I said, well, what do you do with the old one? You just toss it even though it's just a day old or whatever? She said, oh, no. Haven't you ever noticed 
I put one on the coffee table every day in the room back in the back so that everybody can participate in, in, in the rose. And I said, well, then where does that other rose go from the day before that? And she goes, don't you know? <laughs> I said, I guess I don't follow roses too well. <laughs> I said, I have no idea. She said, she said, there's a lady that comes in and we give her a rose every day. And it's one of those roses off the coffee table. So that's gone by the afternoon. And I put mine back there from the day. And then I bring myself a fresh one. So it's ever moving forward. And I, I knew she wasn't using the word gratitude, but there was a, a movement of loving that she had found in this action that brought her a sense of gratitude in life. So that's another possibility of how you can begin to, to move the energy of life differently than maybe you have in the past. You know, I'll share one more thing and then we'll go into some question and answers maybe. <laughs> you know, spirit works in such wonderful, wonderful ways. <coughs> I'm never surprised, but I'm always amazed. <laughs> Last week when I was sharing about Doug Godby and his process of transition, his death, and his, his soul moving on, I shared with you at the end how I was going to start looking on websites to find something where I could get a joke a day for my email box so that I would always have something to remind me of Doug Godby by. And... You know, I never thought much about it other than that's what I was intending to do when I got home. So when Brian and I were leaving, I went back to get my coat, and on there was a, a, a present wrapped up for me uh, with my name on it. And so I took it home, didn't open it until I got home, and I opened it, and what was it? But it said, um, Merry Christmas, and it had the name Doug in quotation marks written on it. And I thought, what? You know, what, what's this? How did this get here? You know, why does it say Doug in quotation marks? I, I wasn't sure did Raquel sneak in and give a gift that Doug had gotten me or something. I didn't know what happened. So I opened it up, and what was it? But a calendar, a joke-a-day calendar. So whoever put that back on my coat, they had no idea what I was going to say at the end of the talk, that this is what I was going to do to remember Doug by, was to download... Uh, a joke a day onto my email so that I would have a memory of him. Well, now right there on my calendar, or on my desk, I have a joke a day calendar that will ever remind me of Doug. And so I, I thought, boy, ask and it is given. You know, I don't even have to go looking on a website. I got it right on my desk. So that's the, the wonder of spirit, the beauty of spirit. When you're really in harmony and moving with it in a flow, it just unfolds. You don't have to do anything. You know, you think it and it's done. And a lot of times it's done before you think it. And then you just look up to God and go, thank you. I wasn't even thinking of that. Thank you so much. I so appreciate that. And it's in that gratitude that you open the door for God to be able to give more. It's in gratitude that you create the space for God to give you more. If you're complaining, God's going, well, there's no room there for me. 
There's no room for my loving. There's no room for my manifestation of that loving in your life. Allow me in. Start being grateful for something so that on that energy of gratitude, I can participate with you. I can share with you. I can be with you. And, and so to me, that was just another little flow of God's gratitude manifesting in my life, demonstrating to me that it's all just already happening, that there's nothing we have to do. And that's the beauty of it. There's nothing we have to do but just do, just be. Just be who we really are, the living, loving essence of the Lord, and allow it all to unfold. And then one more thing I'll share. Maybe we won't get the question and answer. <laughs> well, I'm asking the questions inside, and then the Spirit's giving me the answers, I guess. I don't know. Um, I want to share a little bit about meditation and the process of meditation and initiation. 